the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. Kate Winslet micro expressions, 1800s teen angst. She is one of the most humble people. I love the character growth. She's award winning, well known. Yeah, I love this. She's 100% this character. She has this gumption off the charts. She is amazing. Oh, so classic. Bold, valiant, daring. So much grit, a lot of tears, a lot of boobs. A life lesson, you know? A life lesson from Kate Winslet. Yes. Hello, and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Anne. And I'm Allie. We love Kate Winslet, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your own thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And as always, be sure to rate and review. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Mary and the Witch's Flower. This movie was released in 2017, and Kate Winslet plays a character named Madame Mumblechuck. In this movie, when a girl finds a special flower, she is transported to a school for witches in the sky. Something to note, this is a Japanese animated film, which I think is the first of this type that we've rated. I think so, too. You can watch this on Amazon as a rental. I think this was actually pretty cute. Exceeded my expectations for sure. So I I think it could be worth a watch, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. If you're looking for something different or maybe you have a kid or a niece or nephew, it's a good one. Yeah, it's cute. So if you want to pause and watch, now is your time to go do so. Otherwise, from here on out, there will be spoilers. So jumping into the plot of Mary and the Witch's Flower... Like we said, it's a solid movie. We gave it a 7 out of 10 in our plot rating. The movie opens with fire raging. A girl is fleeing with special seeds and is being chased by some masked creatures. She leaps from a tree and lands on a broom, flying into the sky, chased by scary-looking creatures. The girl falls from the sky, the flower seeds in her pouch falling in the forest and instantly growing some large trees, hiding the magic broom in its foliage. We then flash to a large brick house, Seemingly some time has passed, and a girl, Mary, has just recently moved in with her great-aunt Charlotte. She's meant to be unpacking, but she's nervous about starting at a new school, and her parents are expected to come soon, but Mary came before them so that she could start school. And she's this, I don't know, in elementary school aged, yeah. I would say, right? Like older elementary school. But she's so cute. She's She like puts her hair up in two ponytails and looks at it, and she's like, oh, I hate my hair. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. I yeah, get it. so relatable. Your hair will never look better than when you're, like, about to go to bed and you just throw it up into, like, the perfect messy bun. So true. Never to be recreated. Impossible (laughs) to recreate, yes. (laughs) So annoying. (laughs) So Charlotte and the housekeeper are going to a funeral that day, so Mary will stay home alone. The TV is broken, so the housekeeper made her a picnic lunch to take outside. Mary goes to the garden to help Zebedee, who's the gardener. She wants to be helpful, but what we've seen so far is she's a little bit clumsy. She seems to make things kind of worse. She's, you know, she's a kid. Yeah. She settles on sweeping up some leaves unsuccessfully. She ends up covered in leaves, and a boy named Peter rides up on his bike and makes fun of her. Mary commiserates with a stray black cat as she eats her lunch, saying she's unlucky, she hates her frizzy red hair, etc. She's kind of feeling sorry for herself. The cat runs down a path towards the forest, and she decides to follow it. Turns out there's two cats, a black one and a gray one. We've not reviewed this movie yet, but this was kind of reminding me of Fairies, which is another animated movie that Kate Winslet was in that we will review later in the season. But it's like kids staying with a relative in a new town and find something magic when exploring in the woods. Like classic child movie book trope. Yes, yes. She follows the cat into a clearing where a bunch of trees have died. The cat arches its back at some shiny, glowing flowers growing amidst everything. Mary picks a flower up and brings it back to Zebedee to ask him what it is. He tells her it's called a fly-by-night. 
It only blooms every seven years and is known as a witch's flower. That night, some electrically charged mist rolls through. Ooh. Charlotte asks Mary to bring some raspberry jam to Peter, the boy who had ridden his bike up, and she tells him that Tib, the black cat, is missing, but she saw both cats in the woods yesterday. Peter warns her that they're not supposed to go into the woods when they're misty. Mary finds Tib, who leads her to the tree where the broomstick from the beginning of the movie is hidden, so she does go into the woods. She's excited because it's a better size than the broomstick she had tried to use the day before. Tib throws a bit of a fly-by-night flower at her, and when she catches it, something magical happens, and the broom seems to almost come to life and kind of like pogo sticks around. What was the most classic 90s kid driveway toy? Because I think a pogo stick is up there. Pogo stick is up there. I'm going to add a skip it to the list. Mm, Good one. Loved having a skip it. Or moon shoes. Did you ever have those? Oh, I didn't, but I wanted them. Oh, so cool. There's just nothing like 90s toys, you know? Yeah. I'm going to go Razor Scooter. Oh, yeah. In the driveway. I think Skip It is really a really good one. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to go classic, like sidewalk chalk. We used to, like, make, like, houses and, like, play pretend in the driveway or you, you, like, ride your scooter around. Yes, I love it. Good times. I know. I'm like, I hope kids still do stuff like that. I hope they're not just on their iPads all day. I know. (laughs) I hated the pogo stick. I was so bad at it. I don't think I ever actually used one. They're terrifying, actually. Yeah, like I think it was one of those things that kind of was like a legend. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how to actually pogo stick. It's insane. It's really hard. It's like an emergency room bill waiting to happen. A hundred percent. So all of a sudden, Mary's on the broom and she's flying. The broom flies her and Tib to a magical place in the clouds. She crashes by a bunch of other brooms near some buildings. And this gopher-looking creature with a Robin Hood hat greets her and asks her if she's a new student, to which she is super confused. He calls Tib a, quote, familiar, as a black cat, and Mary a witch. Mary is sure she's dreaming. Gopher Robin Hood tells her that they're at Endor College, one of the most prestigious schools for witches. She continues to think she's dreaming, as Gopher Robin Hood acts as if she's a new student and this is her first day. Do you have any crazy dreams i always have crazy dreams and then i like tell scott about them and i then i immediately forget them Uh, same i know i can't think of any specifically but i will say i don't know if i've said this on the podcast yet but i am pregnant (laughs) (laughs) and one of the first signs that i had when i was pregnant is my dreams got super vivid and super weird (laughs) like incredibly crazy and then it held off for a while and now that I'm further along the kind of crazy dreams have started again but I don't have any like good stories to tell on the podcast but there's just a lot of really weird ones yeah what about you no I remember my dreams a lot and I do dream a lot but I don't hold on to them you know Mm -hmm. I think dream journaling is so interesting but we've talked about this I can't keep a journal oh yeah I'm terrible at it unrealistic expectation (laughs) exactly yeah Love the idea. Maybe it should be like a voice memo right when you wake up. Yes. <laughs> this was my dream today. I could maybe do that. Yeah. So Gopher Robin Hood shows her a plaque that gives the rule that anyone who enters campus falsely will be turned into something else. The gopher guy leaves and Mary hesitantly walks into the campus. A woman emerges from the fountain in the courtyard of the school. It's headmistress Mumblechook, played by Kate Winslet. She compliments Mary's hair, and she gives Mary a tour of the campus, which, of course, is quite magical and eccentric. 
And, you know, we're, of course, excited to see Kate here. We're going to talk a little bit about this more when we review her character and her acting. But this character looks way older than Mm. Kate's voice. And so you're just immediately, like, kind of thrown off by that because she looks like she should have, like... Like an old woman voice. Professor McGonagall. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that kind of voice from this character, and she's just, like, normal... Like Kate Winslet's nice voice. <laughs> Kate Winslet's nice voice, yeah. <sighs> so at this school for witches, different classes include broom riding, magic chemistry, magic history. They're best known for their courses on transformation. I'm like immediately in. I'm transported to this magical world. Agreed. Mumblechook comments that Mary has incredible skill based on arriving successfully via broom and doing so well with her, quote, familiar. She also tells her that red hair is coveted for witches, and she is a -a once-in-a-century talent. Mary kind of basks in all of these compliments. If you remember from the beginning of the movie, she's kind of, you know, struggling with herself, and she's not used to all these compliments. She's introduced to Dr. D, the teacher of chemistry and potion-making, as a genuine prodigy. When Mary guesses at a question and ends up getting it right, Dr. D is very excited and wants to admit her to an advanced class. They take her to a seemingly empty room with, quote, the best students who are actually practicing invisibility. They toss her an orb and tell her to give it a go, which she does kind of successfully, but then she ends up turning into a tornado, which ends up being quite an advanced skill. Mary, still basking in the glow of compliments, says it was probably just 40% of her power and increased to enroll. Oh, Mary. (laughs) On the way to fill out paperwork, she's a little disturbed to learn about animal experimentation done by Dr. D in a stronghold in the side of the mountain. While she's waiting for Madame Mumblechook to find the paperwork, Mary explores her office. The fly-by-night left a mark on her palm, and when she touches a fly-by-night painting, a little door opens in the wall, and there's a book. She pulls it out, and it's an advanced spell book, which she's able to read. She admits to Madame Mumblechook that she's not actually a witch. It was something that happened because of a flower. Mumblechuck's attitude immediately changes, and she kind of aggressively asks where these flowers are. Mary panics with the book behind her back, but when she pulls her hand out, it's the folded-up note with Peter's address on it. She lies and says the flowers belong to Peter. As Mary gets ready to leave on her broom, Mumblechuck notices that the broomstick glows a bit when Mary takes off. She plans to use Mary as bait to get to the flowers. The broom loses power as they fly home, practically dropping Mary and Tib out of the sky. She notices the mark on her palm from the fly-by-night has faded. That night, Mary overhears that Peter is missing. His bike was found in the woods. Oh, no. A paper crane thing flies into her room, and Mumblechuck's hologram pops out of it, calling Mary an imposter witch and shows her that Peter has been taken hostage. She tells her that she wants the witch's flower in exchange for Peter, and she better be quick since it only blooms once every seven years. Mary uses another bulb from the flower to get power and fly back to Endor. Charlotte wakes up because Mary is super loud with her, you know, (laughs) not-so-great broom skills. Not subtle. (laughs) And Charlotte sees a bulb from the flower on the stairs and seems to instantly know what it is and panics looking at the sky. At this point, we're like, do we think Charlotte was the girl at the beginning of the movie? Yes, no. Ooh, yes, could be. Yep. Mary presents a thermos to Dr. D and Mumblechuck with fly-by-nights in it. They intend to use them for a, quote, final phase of the transformation projects they're working on. Some robots put Mary in a bubble, and Dr. D says to take her to the strong room so he can study her. Mary is disturbed to find a bunch of animals in cages. 
Tib leads her to a specific cage, which she realizes is Tib's gray cat friend, Gib, who's been missing, who is experimented on. Peter's also there, and she bursts into tears apologizing. He's surprised she flew there on a broom, and she is reminded that tonight she's still a witch and has the Book of Spells in her bag. She searches for a transformation spell to undo all magic, thinking it will change all the experimented animals back, which it does. Honestly, it's kind of like Noah's Ark in there. There's like (laughs) so many animals, and they break out of the stronghold. They all look like little Pokemon before they're transformed back into real animals. It's like these weird combinations of creatures and just very mystical experiments. Yeah, it's cute. Mumblechook realizes her book of master spells is gone when the animals all stampede past. The animals are able to fly safely away by jumping into a magic pool of some kind that deposits them into this bubble and flies them away. Mary and Peter decide to trust the animal instincts and attempt to follow, but it's kind of challenging until Mary is able to get to her broom. Peter reluctantly gets on the broom with her, but Mumblechook tries to pull him back. He tells Mary to let go and lets go of her hand, and the broom flies her off. Sweet Peter, sacrificing himself so Mary can get away. Right? Dr. D plans to experiment on Peter, but Mumblechook still needs to get the master spellbook back. The broomstick steers Mary somewhere despite Mary begging it to take her back to help Peter. The broomstick delivers Mary to a stone cottage where a fire lamp says, Welcome home, miss. Nice to see you. She's surprised, but then realizes this is where the broom considers home. (laughs) The inside is, like, very cute, well-stocked. She recognizes a younger Madame Mumblechook and Dr. D in a photo and finds some drawings of transformations, realizing at the end that they want to transform people. The mirror starts talking to her. Turns out Charlotte is on the other side. She says that her broom brought Mary to her old home, so we were right. Mm-hmm. Yes. She tells Mary that Madame Mumblechook and Dr. D are trying to do something very dangerous. Charlotte tells Mary that she had been a student at Endor. Mumblechuck and Dr. D were wonderful teachers until Charlotte discovered the fly-by-nights and made the mistake of sharing it with them. They got obsessed with the power potential in the flowers, wanting to transform students to have increased powers. There was a tragedy in the first attempt, so Charlotte stole the seeds and escaped. She didn't want any more trouble. Charlotte manages to pass the last bulb of the fly-by-night through the mirror to Mary and tells her to come home immediately or else she won't be able to at all. Mary is determined to use this last bulb to save Peter and also make it home. Mumblechuck arrives to the cottage just as Mary is escaping to go back to Endor. She seems surprised when Mary flies off because Mary's power should be gone by now that it's morning. Mary's satchel with the last flower in the spellbook are stolen while in flight, and her power finally runs out. She falls to the ground on a floating forest in the sky, and the broomstick breaks. When Mary cries over the broomstick, some magic seems to come back, and the broomstick floats away. All of a sudden, a bunch of the animals she had saved show up and help her evade Mubblechuck's little flying eel things that she had sent after her. She gets away successfully, but has to abandon the broomstick to start climbing up a mountain. Tib and Gib show up and lead her into Dr. D's lab. Peter's in a tank, and the experimentation has already begun. Mary goes up to Mumblechook, begging them to stop. But just then, an explosion occurs. <gasps> Dr. D says, it's just a rebirth, not to worry. But then, this goo comes out of the tank and starts attacking the lab. And Peter is within this goo somehow, like transformed into this goo. A.K.A. he's not just been exploded. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Madame Mumblechook wants to stop everything and undo it, but the goo attacks her and drains her magic. Mary sees one last fly-by-night. After Dr. D says Peter or the goo can do any magic, Mary grabs the book and talks to Peter in the goo, telling him to take her hand. 
She puts his hand to the book and says the spell to undo everything. The whole lab disappears and they're just in a tree. I love there's this like total silence in this part. And it's just like kind of unique for a kid's movie to do that. Mm, It actually grabs your attention even more as some of this transformation is happening. So true. Gopher Robin Hood brings back her broom and they fly home. When she finds a fly-by-night bulb in her hair, she tosses it into the wind, I guess not wanting any more trouble, and they go home. In the final song montage, we see Mary starting at regular school, and she and Peter are friends. And this montage scene is like, they didn't have to go this hard, okay? It's like a little (laughs) emotional, you know? I'm like, why am I feeling nostalgic for this? (laughs) Why am I in my feels? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's how the movie ends. It's really cute. I mean, obviously, we didn't have a ton of extra commentary like we sometimes do. Right. Because I was just, like, entranced by it. Yeah. It's just this magical movie. It's very sweet and innocent. It's fun with the magic. I liked it. Yeah. It's just a cute... It's a cute movie. Yeah. And others agreed. An 89% critic score, 70% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. That's huge. Pretty impressive. And this is based on a 1971 book by Mary Stewart called The Little Broomstick, which I think I've heard of but mm. have not read. Okay. I don't think I've read it. But we, you know, Girl Crush Pod, we love a book-to-movie adaptation. <sighs> you know we do. They just hit different. Also, the director of this film is an Academy Award nominee, Hiramasa Yanabayashi. That's a guess on the pronunciation. Not a nominee for this film, but an Academy Award nominee for other films that he's done, which is really cool. And the animation is just, it's really cute. It's a fun story. I appreciate that nothing is overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, I think it's hard to strike that balance with kids' movies. Like, God forbid we talk about Swift, where they (sighs) just, what are we doing in that film? You know, it's it's too much and yet not enough. (laughs) I feel like they just struck a really good balance here, where it's like, kids can enjoy it, adults can enjoy it, no one feels stupid, it doesn't go over anyone's head. You know, like, that's hard to do. So true. What are your thoughts on anime as a genre? I mean, I know it. it's huge, obviously, and, like, for a lot of people, a big part of pop culture and our world. I've never been, like, super into it. I feel like we watched—I watched some with, like, my brother growing up, but it's never been something that I'm, like, a diehard fan of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with it. We watched, like, Pokemon growing up, but otherwise I would say, like, I don't know much about it. I'm not that into it, but I thought this was so cute. I was like, hmm, maybe I should— Check it out more. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So this was originally released in Japan in 2017, and then the English version was released in 2018. And, you know, again, they didn't have to go this hard, but they redid all of the speaking animation. Like, it's not just dubbed. It yeah. is, like, animated in English, which is impressive. Seems like that would be so much work. It really does, right? It had, right? I mean, <laughs> It probably I, was. I don't know anything about... Japanese anime, how it's done, but I think it would be hard. I think we could at least say it wasn't not a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> True. I'm so hit or miss on overdubs with foreign movies. Like sometimes it really bothers me, and I'm like, I can't watch this. Yeah. I can't. And sometimes I don't care. Like, do you guys watch Lupin on Netflix? No. Oh gosh, it's so good. Okay. It's like a French show dubbed. The whole thing's dubbed. I could care less. Do not care. 
But then I um, I tried to watch Cable Girls, which is also mm-hmm. on Netflix, and I think that's Spanish. And I was like, I cannot watch this. Like, I'm so distracted. I don't know what it is. Some of them are good and some aren't. Yeah, I wonder if it has to do with whether that the person who's dubbing it over, like, if their voice matches. Because I know I've watched before where I'm like, that doesn't look like what that person should sound like. Yeah. And maybe that is part of what throws it off sometimes. I don't know. But I haven't watched that many. I agree. Some of the overdubbed, like, voice acting is just, like, it doesn't match the energy or right. the emotion. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe. But anyway, all that to say, they totally redid this whole movie in English, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> was there anything you disliked about the movie? I, I mean, I wish she'd actually done some of the witch stuff at school, because that just would have been fun. But it wasn't needed for the story. Sure. What about you? The only thing I could think of was... It seemed like maybe Madame Mumblechuck should have been able to, like, track Charlotte down over all these years or find the fly-by-night sooner or something. Like, that part was kind of unclear. A lot of time has passed. We just don't get any insight into, like, all of that. But, again, that could have overcomplicated the plot. So I was willing to accept it. I guess that's true. The witch stuff, too. Yeah. They'd done it, we would have been like, that didn't add anything. (laughs) Yeah, true. Okay, so for Kate's character of Madame Mumblechuck, we gave her a four and a half out of ten. Allie said three, and I said six. (laughs) And I'd say I'm not sure why I said six, but I was just, like, feeling good after watching this movie, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you were just into it. You know, she is ultimately the antagonist in this story, and she comes off real sweet at first. So we were, like, big fans, and then very quickly we were not big fans (laughs) because she was mean. Like, oh no. Yeah. I guess she does have one redeeming moment at the end when she realizes they've gone too far and she tries to undo it. But then we were like, did she try to undo it because what they did was wrong or because she thought she was going to die? Like, mm, not sure. Yeah. I think, you know, in hindsight, probably more the latter where she was like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. It's more self serving. Yeah. I think it, it probably was. But she's a good antagonist, especially for a kid's movie. Yeah, and we get, like, a tiny insight into why she became sort of evil. Right. You know, the power got to her head or the desire for power got to her head. Right, right. So for Kate's acting in this, we gave her a 6.5 out of 10. We were kind of torn on this one. You you mentioned it earlier. It feels like someone older should have played Mumblechook. Like, the voice didn't really match the animation of the character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was a little bit inconsistent throughout. Like, sometimes it felt very big. And sometimes it didn't sound like her at all because she did lean into this, like, evil character. Mm-hmm. But then other times it just sounded like her normal voice. So I thought that inconsistency prevented us from rating her even higher here. Yeah, I agree. I Exactly. Like, at times it seems like she really stretched her vocal acting in this. Like, there were moments where she kind of aged it or did, like, an evil inflection. But it wasn't like that the whole time. Right, <laughs> So, right. I don't know. She did add this, like, kind of eccentric, magical quality overall to her voice. But it was like... You know, that's a 40-year-old woman speaking right now and not a Maggie Smith who is who I think should have voiced this role. Yes, that would have been so good. So for our bonus category of feisty, we gave her a zero out of two. We did not think we could stretch evil to be feisty (laughs) in this case. So no bonus points. And for Would You Watch Again, we gave this a one out of five. We both thought it was cute, but I just, I wouldn't watch it again. There's other kids' movies I would choose first. 
At first I said I would watch this again because I thought it was so cute, but I, I later rescinded that. I think I, I had just watched so many bad or weird movies in a row and this like turned out to be a respite and I was like, oh, thank God. So also one out of five for me, but it is cute. It is worth a watch yes, for sure. Yes. So to review from Mary and the Witch's Flower, we gave the plot a 7 out of 10, Kate's character, Madame Mumblechuck, a 4.5 out of 10, Kate's voice acting, a 6.5 out of 10, a feisty score of 0 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 1 out of 5 for a total score of 19 out of 37 points, which means that Mary and the Witch's Flower is ranked number 38 out of all 46 Kate Winslet movies. Hmm. Once again, that character score is just dropping. Yeah, it really drags it down. It really does. We've we've seen that a few times this season. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or on TikTok at girlcrushpod. You can also visit our website at girlcrushpodcast.com or support us at buymeacoffee.com slash girlcrushpod. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about little children. Bye. Bye.